Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, September 9th edition of the Basement Academy. As we wrap up our week together, a week of reflections, some of which have been kind of heavy and hopefully thought-provoking and challenging, I want to add one more to it. So hopefully you will listen all the way through uh, where we'll end uh, in, in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, I think we'll be helpful. I'm going to read a, a short excerpt uh, from a former pastor of mine, something he wrote that'll be very meaningful and challenging, I think. But let's begin with the psalm. Psalm 69, uh, I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but a, you know, a, a significant portion of it. And just listen to this, the, the reality of conflict and, and, and uh, some challenge that the, the psalmist is going through. So this is for the director of music to the tune of Lilies, interesting, Psalm of David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me, O Lord, the Lord Almighty. May those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's sons. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me because of my foes. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. And I'm going to stop the reading there. That's down through verse 21. Do you hear it? <laughs> the words of Jesus. <laughs> Thirsting from the cross, they put gall in my food and vinegar for my thirst. So, so it was fulfilled there. Zeal for the house consumed Jesus. And so this psalm is really foreshadowing. It was true of David, but it's foreshadowing the life 
of Jesus, a crying out, being hated for no reason. And so sometimes we find ourselves holding views that others disagree with, and we find ourselves feeling scorn and shame and disgrace, kind of forced to restore what we did not steal. I'm a person of good conscience and character, and all of a sudden I find people against me. And so I think this is a helpful psalm for all that we're talking about. Okay, yesterday, um, probably said some things that probably got a lot of you thinking, you know, kind of the, yeah, but there is truth. There is, you know, right and wrong. We have to fight for the truth. We'll talk about that, how to contend for the truth with grace, not with anger, not with the bitterness and judgmental spirit, but with grace, okay? Truth and grace. And so what I'd like to offer today kind of dovetailing with the scriptures we ended with yesterday, this more excellent way, pursuing the more excellent way of love. How can we let our differences with other people shape us and make us into a different kind of people? Little wordplay going on there, right? How can we let our differences with others make us into a different kind of people? How do we, and most people, typically respond in disagreement uh, in a time of difference, you know, where you've got a difference of opinion or conviction. How do we typically respond? How do we typically try to resolve those differences? My observation from my own life, from my family growing up, from years of being a pastor, I observe that folks typically handle differences this way. They avoid that person. They cut them off or cut them out of the conversation. I'm just not going to talk to that person, right? Um, or call them out in some way. Sometimes there's a direct confrontation. You know, we call them out, usually not to their face. Usually we criticize or gossip about people, right? So that that's a pretty common way. But we tend to denounce or demean or dismiss, kind of, you know, well, they, they, I know who they are now. I'm never talking to them again. There's often a duplicity, you know, we'll, we'll kind of speak to them this way and kind of be kind. Yeah. How did we say it the other day in the Psalm? Uh, with their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts, they cursed. And so there's a duplicity. Pretending one thing, but then talking, you know, behind their back in another way. And so that's pretty common that we're, you know, we're all smiles with, with people that we might disagree with, but, you know, behind their back, it's another story. Or there's outright anger or contempt or hostility. Sometimes we'll bully people, particularly in family contexts, you know, where there's some political or other differences, you know, we'll sometimes you know, try to use the force of emotion uh, to um, get people to, you know, be quiet. Sadly, obviously, sometimes violence is the path that people take. But generally speaking, we typically respond not with the most excellent way of love. We humans default to a variety of um, strategies to kind of put them in their place, distance ourselves from them, somehow try to diminish that person in the eyes of others or just diminish their reputation. 
I would offer to you that apprentices of Jesus are called to pursue a more excellent way than that. We are called to something different. This language of 1 Corinthians 13, the language of love, love is patient, love is kind. There's a, there's a way of being. Uh, we don't seek to gain the world to win the argument, but lose the relationship or perhaps even our own soul. We, we pursue uh, the, the, you know, the path of wisdom, a wisdom that is from above. So these biblical um, patterns, we do not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but there's a humility that marks our lives when we are in a, a, a place of disagreement with another person. That's, I would argue, that's what I am offering in this study, this whole study, but certainly this week, that we pursue a, a more excellent way to the typical responses that, that people make. We recognize that disagreement, so now we're back to the workshop, the apprentice's workshop of disagreement. God has so ordained that east of Eden, we humans are going to have conflict. He's ordained that. This is, sin does this. It sets up these, these relationships of, of disagreement so that we will become a different kind of people. God doesn't want us to respond with anger, with violence, etc. And so we let the differences make us a different kind of people. We recognize that disagreements provide a certain kind of opportunity, really a unique opportunity. There, there's something that happens in disagreement and um, the, the emotions, the thoughts, you know, everything that swirls around provides the materials for us to build a better kind of life, a better kind of response. And so these theological, political, moral disagreements present an opportunity for us to examine our own beliefs. What do I believe? Why do I believe that? Am I sure I really believe that? And so it drives us back to scripture. It drives us back to first principles, to bedrock. What are my deeper convictions around this thing? Not what I'm handed to me in the nightly news or you know on a blog or some other social media thing, but what, what do I really believe? Now that's hard work but you're in a workshop, right? Workshop. We do work in a workshop. Apprentices learn the skill, and one of the skills is self-examination. I examine my own beliefs. Am I clear in my own head why I believe, what I believe, and how do I articulate that? So we examine our beliefs, we examine our attitudes. Is this attitude that I am now holding towards this other person or this group of people with whom I disagree or with I'm, I'm at odds with, is that attitude honorable? Is that attitude reflective of Jesus, you know, the apprenticeship, uh, the, 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 the light and easy yoke of Jesus? And so we ask ourselves, why am I so angry? Why, when that person speaks, do I find myself getting reactive or dismissive or I want to gossip about them or, you know, criticize them. Because, you know, when that other person speaks and we develop that attitude, my attitude, my criticism of them says nothing about them. It says something about me. It says, I have a critical spirit. 
It says, I am judgmental. It says, I am dismissive. I'm an angry person. I'm a person that can't calmly listen to other people. Why do, why is that so in my life? That when I hear the news, I want to yell at it, you know, the television. When I hear uh, somebody speak something that I may not agree with politically, theologically, or otherwise, why do I react the way I do? That's the work that we need to do. And we're in a workshop and we do work in a workshop. We need to learn the skill of self-control, of holding our tongue, right? We need to hold our tongue, not hold a grudge. There's some interesting way of thinking about that. And so there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a question we might want to ask, and that is, have I done to others as I would want them to do to me? That's the golden rule. It's, you know, that's what Jesus said. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So we ask the question in a time of disagreement, have I done for others or done to others what I would want them to do to me? That is, listen. To explore why I believe. So I want somebody to ask me questions. Don, why do you believe that? I, I don't, you know, understand. Could you give me an opportunity to articulate what I believe and to perhaps persuade them to my position. Again, I want to use persuasion, not coercion. But I want others to listen to me. When I'm sharing my opinion, when I'm sharing my belief, when I'm sharing my thoughts, I want them to listen. I want them to follow up with a good question. I want them to consider my words. Ultimately, I want them to embrace my words. Okay? Have I offered the same consideration, the same graciousness to that other person? When they speak, rather than just dismissively go, pfft. I said, okay, that's interesting because I don't see life that way. I, I don't, you know, understand. So I'm curious, you know, so have we worked on our tone of voice, learning how to monitor and regulate our tone of voice so we don't, you know, we can bleed all the snarkiness out of it and all that stuff. And we can just listen. So tell me more. I, I'm curious about that. I, I don't see it that way, but hopefully we can, you know, have a, a good collegial conversation here about these things. So it's taking the golden rule and then applying it. Have I done to others as I would want them to do to me in this, you know, situation of disagreement? So anyway, th these are Diff, these are different way of responding, right? We're, we're not typically responding with, you know, typically responding with anger and dismissiveness, etc. Apprentices of Jesus pursue a different way. I want to, I want to close with a reading. I, I said this at the outset that I wanted to close with a short uh, excerpt. Um, so, when I was in college, came to faith down at UVA, went to Trinity Presbyterian Church. Uh, the associate pastor at Trinity a man named Charlie Drew. Charlie is still a minister. He's probably close to retirement, if not retired. Um, ministered a number of years up in New York City after he left Charlottesville and uh, worked with Tim Keller and the Redeemer Church Network up there. So um, anyway, I had occasion to hear Charlie back in Charlottesville a number of years ago, What was down uh, visiting. Trinity was having a um, a, a reunion of sorts, and I went down to attend. It was a church plant, and so I was part of that er, those early years. And this was in the context of the 2016 election. It was 2017, but but the election had happened, and there was 
as you recall, a bit of churn going on in our society uh, after that election. And so Charlie wrote these words about Christian civility and Christian humility, kind of how we ought to behave in times of kind of these political, uh, political differences. And so Charlie wrote this. Yes, we must speak up for what is just and true. Yes, we must wrestle with each other over how best to love our neighbors as ourselves, but that is not enough. We must be in how we conduct ourselves with each other a living alternative to contempt. We must be sociologically inexplicable and for that reason a winsome invitation to our angry and cynical neighbors to take a serious look at the person we call Lord. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on. Let me read that one more time. It's about three sentences, four sentences. Yes, we must speak up for what is just and true. Yes, we must wrestle with each other over how best to love our neighbors as ourselves, which is really what the political debate is. How do we best love others? But that is not enough, writes Charlie. We must be, in how we conduct ourselves with each other, a living alternative to contempt. We must be sociologically inexplicable. And for that reason, because of that being inexplicable, people can't understand we must be a winsome invitation to our angry and cynical neighbors to take a serious look at the person we call Lord. What Charlie's saying is we Christians, how we relate to one another in the body of Christ around our differences, political in this context, theological in other contexts, people are watching. And so are we behaving in a different way? Are we a living alternative to contempt? Contempt is the way of the world. You disagree with me, I hold you in contempt. I despise you. This is how, this is what's happening in our society, right? So we Christians must behave differently. Are we a living alternative to that spirit of contempt? Can we show a different way of of being. Can we be sociologically inexplicable? People scratch their heads and say, I don't get it. I don't get how these Christians can differ so deeply and yet still come to the table, break bread, sing their hymns together, and, and, and be one family. And, and when the world sees that, what Charlie's writing and what he's suggesting is the world observes that difference, that living alternative. It observes a, something that's inexplicable and says, what are you guys about? And so that forms an invitation, a winsome invitation. Tell me more about this Jesus of yours that you serve, okay? And so I love what Charlie has written. It's in the... Um, Christian Civics Newsletter from September of 2017. And so I, I close with this. Uh, Jesus, in the upper room, having just washed the feet of his disciples, um, Judas included, right? He, he's, he's at table, the Last Supper. He's going to the cross. He knows it. They don't. And, and he says... Um, 
My children, this is uh, uh, John chapter 13, beginning verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. He's talking about the cross, okay? Going to do battle there. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my apprentices. Now, we typically read it, disciples. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's that same word again, mathete. All people will know you are my mathetai, plural, disciples, apprentices, if you love one another. And so our apprenticeship is validated, it's vindicated, as it were, by the manner in which we treat one another before a watching world. All people will know you are my apprentices by the love you have for one another. You're not going to respond to people the way the world does. You're going to respond differently and that is going to convince, it's going to vindicate, uh, it's going to validate your apprenticeship. You're being yoked to me. Powerful, powerful stuff. And so... um, Let's let our differences with other people make us, reshape us, mold us into a different kind of people who respond differently than the world does. Not with contempt, but with humility, with kindness, with grace, with compassion, with understanding. And in so doing, we show ourselves to be the apprentices of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, if it could only be so right now in each of our lives. But for some reason, you don't just make it so. You you call us into the workshop. You call us to labor. You call us to repent. You call us to humble ourselves. And so, Lord, enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to hear the words of Jesus, to pursue the more excellent way. Give us grace so to examine ourselves And Lord, help us to live as that alternative to contempt uh, in an inexplicable way in our own communities, in our own families, that we would invite others by our very life and by the way we handle our differences and disagreements, that we would invite others to explore who you are as Lord. And so we offer the prayer in your name, Lord Jesus, even as you taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Spirit of God pour grace and truth and kindness and humility into your life this day and forevermore. Amen.